0: Please turn with your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, as we look at the resurrection of Christ this morning. I want to focus on one verse of Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Christ declares. But I want us to have the context of this statement, so read with me through the chapter. Let's enjoy the declaration of Christ's resurrection, and then we'll pray together and focus on verse 18. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, which is Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. They came to investigate the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake from the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. For he is not here, for he is risen. As he said, don't you love that? Just as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. Therefore you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went and quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, this mixture of joy and also trembling and ran to bring his disciples' word. Verse 9, And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! That's the message of the resurrection. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests, all the things that had happened, all that had taken place at the tomb. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept, paying the soldiers to lie. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Our focus section. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we look specifically at your authority, represented in your resurrection, we pray that you would touch our hearts afresh. We thank you that you've died for our sins, that you rose from the dead. You have defeated the grave. You've defeated sin. So we invite you here to speak to us, to reveal yourself afresh to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Quite a statement for Jesus to declare that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. That's a powerful statement in and of itself for Christ to say that. But it's even more powerful after what he's just demonstrated on the cross and the resurrection. If we don't have the context of what Jesus said, we don't realize how powerful it is. Do you think that the disciples were questioning this statement as they're witnessing Christ resurrected from the dead? They're like, yeah, yeah, definitely. You have all authority and all power has been given to you. You have just risen from the dead. No one else has raised themselves from the dead. Others were raised by the Lord, but to raise yourself, Jesus rose himself from the dead and it declares all of his authority. So we're going to take a few moments together to look at the authority of of Christ, then to make personal application of what does it mean for Christ to have authority in my life, for Christ to have authority over me. So first in Christ's authority, we see that it's an authority through love. It's an authority through love, isn't it? Because Not all authority is loving. There's authority in North Korea right now that's far less than loving, isn't it? There's authority in Iran that I really wouldn't want to have any a part of. In fact, for most of us, when we hear the word authority, it's not a comforting thought, isn't it? It might be a lot more close to home. You have a far less than loving authority at work. Your, Your boss is very difficult to work for. Your college professor is quite a dictator. And so when we think of the authority of Christ, it maybe is something that we're not drawn to, but we think about it's an authority through love. God claims to be love. and 1 John it says, God is love. This is who he says that he is. His very nature is love. He proved it, he demonstrated it through the death of his son and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To know that God loves us. And in this love, then we're drawn to his authority. It's an authority that we can trust. He wins us over with his kindness. The second thought is similar to the first. It's an authority through sacrifice. It's an authority through love, but it's also an authority through sacrifice. Jesus said that greater love has no one than this, than to lay their life down for their friends. The proof of love is sacrifice. It's easy to say the words, I love you, and we're to love in word, but also to love in deed. And here Christ, as he's risen from the dead, appearing to his disciples, says, I have all authority, and it is an authority that has come through sacrifice. There's a lot of sacrifices that are inspiring. There's a a lot of authority that does sacrifice. We think of police officers Risking their lives every day for the safety of of the community. We think about the sacrifice of parents, the sacrifice of moms and dads. And as we gather together on a holiday like this, it it causes us to reflect on the sacrifice of, of our parents. And Christ, he makes the ultimate sacrifice in his authority. I always love a a basketball coach, a a boss, a a person who's in a position of authority that chooses to serve, that chooses to to sacrifice. That wins our allegiance. And Christ was sent by the Father. It was ordained by the Father for Christ to die upon the cross. Jesus was a willing sacrifice upon the cross. He sacrificed himself himself. So we have this beautiful combination in Christ where he is absolute authority and he's absolute love, making the absolute sacrifice for us upon the cross. Jesus' last meal with the disciples in the upper room. They come together. Jesus grabs a towel and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. The creator of the universe humbles himself to come in human flesh incarnation all God all man humbles himself to serve the disciples now this wasn't come some kind of sacred foot washing in fact this wasn't some kind of spiritual service and you're saying well well, what do you mean their feet were dirty they walked around on dirt roads that sometimes would be filled with sewage When you came into a home, your feet were so dirty that the servants had to wash the feet. Jesus was doing the job that nobody else wanted to do. Peter understood it. And he's like, no, you shouldn't be washing my feet. And Jesus is like, no, I'm giving you an example to follow. So an amazing authority that sacrifices. And that sacrifice says, man, I can trust the authority of Christ this is where we're going. If Christ is authority, how do I respond to it? How do I look at the authority of Christ and then apply it to my life? Because it's one thing to acknowledge authority, and it's another thing to surrender to it, isn't it? You You can acknowledge, okay, the boss has authority, this police officer has, has the authority. This judge has authority. But it's another to acknowledge it. It's another to surrender it. It's another to come underneath that, that authority. So it's an authority that you can trust. It's an authority in love. It's an authority through sacrifice. In Christ's authority, he has authority over death. That's what's declared in the resurrection. When Jesus stands, the risen Savior, and declares this statement to the disciples, He has won the victory over death. Jesus is the lamb at the cross. He's crucified as the lamb for our sins. And in the resurrection, he's the lion that roars. In Hebrews 2, verse 9, it says this about Christ. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of the death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone." He tasted death, he experienced death, he died, so that he could have the victory over the grave. He tasted it for our benefit. It goes on in Hebrews 2, and it declares this. He himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to death. bondage. Christ is the liberator as he's risen from the dead and saying, you don't have to be subject to the fear of death any longer. Authority over the grave. I think a lot of times, if we're honest, we are afraid of dying. In our culture, we'll almost do everything possible to prolong life. Can you blame somebody? We want to live. Sometimes I think that we exercise and eat right simply because we're afraid of dying, now, there's some wisdom in eating right and exercising. It may allow you to live a little bit longer. Ultimately, it's ha- in the hands of the Lord. It may give you a little bit better quality of life. But if you're killing yourself on the tread- treadmill and doing CrossFit simply for the purpose of saying, I'm afraid of dying and somehow this is going to keep me from dying, there's a new study that came out that you should be interested in. Ten out of ten people that exercise and eat organic, They die. you can't prevent it. Ultimately, you will die. And what gives us victory over the grave is faith and confidence in Christ that he died for our sin. And he then liberates us from the fear of death. In 2 Timothy 1.10, it says, "But (laughs) but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He's abolished death. He conquers death, authority over death. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed." For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection, meaning there's more to follow. Christ was risen from the dead in a resurrected physical body. We will be resurrected into a physical body as believers. We shall be changed. That's what this verse is telling us. And it's not just going to be this model brought back to life. Praise the Lord. Right? It's going to be a model that's never known sin, that's never known disease, that's never known decay, a model that's going to eat truly heavenly food, Without putting on any pounds, a body that's going to see and behold the Lord, with our eyes we're going to behold, we're going to be changed. So it's complete victory over the grave. God granting to us eternal life. Now knowing these truths still makes it difficult to walk through the process of death, doesn't it? But as believers, we have hope in the midst of that moment. Throughout the month of March, my, my dad had real difficult uh, health challenges and spent 23 days in the hospital. Thankfully, he's out and, and doing better. So I spent a lot more time in the hospital than I normally do. And I go to the hospital quite frequently as a, as a pastor, but we were spending days uh, at the hospital. Sitting in the cafeteria, eating hospital food, we'll, we'll leave that alone, just that discussion about cafeteria hospital food there's a family that was sitting next to me and I began to hear them say, you know, she has two, two hours to live. She's not going to make it much longer. And the whole family was calling, family and friends, and they were saying, if you want to see her, you need to get to the hospital. You need to come right now. It's going to be soon. Go back up to my dad's floor and sure enough, this whole family is on the same floor as my dad. And a few rooms away, this woman passed away she died. I don't know who she is. I don't know if it's mom, wife, sister, but she passed away right there in the hospital. And you know, this morning, as we celebrate the resurrection, there's family and friends gathered down at Memorial Hospital in Penrose, and throughout our state, people are dying. Someone's getting the phone call right now that a loved one has died in a car accident died in a, in a tragic way. Death is a reality, but as believers, if we're in Christ, we know that death doesn't have the final word. So whether it's for us personally or the death of a loved one, we sorrow, but we have hope in that sorrow. We know that it's not a goodbye, but a see you soon. That our loved ones are more alive than they've ever been before. The resurrection points to Christ's authority over the grave. And also Christ has authority over sin which I'm so thankful for. In Romans 3, verse 24, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified's a big Bible word. What does it mean? It means to be declared righteous. We're declared righteous by his grace, freely. There wasn't a cause or a merit in our, of ourselves. God did it based on his benevolence, his goodness, his kindness, his grace, That all who trust in Christ, his death and resurrection, then receive forgiveness of sin to the point that we're justified, that we're declared righteous. To where when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin, our failure, our mess ups. He sees the blood of his son. He sees us robed in Christ's righteousness. Isn't that good news? So Christ has authority over sin to the point where the penalty for sin has been paid for. God has removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. David was a man of sin. He was a man of God's own heart in the Old Testament, but also a man of sin, a man who committed adultery, committed murder. There was no sacrifice for those sins in the law. He was completely dependent upon the mercy of God. (coughs) As he experienced God's forgiveness, he wrote these, these words, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. Literally, oh happy is the person whose sins are forgiven. To be able to know that we're forgiven by God. Do we embrace that? Do we live in that? This morning are we rejoicing that Christ has authority over our sin? We need to apply the blood of Jesus. Remember the Passover? The children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. God was giving plagues to Pharaoh, the last plague, the children of Israel were instructed to kill a lamb, put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost, then judgment passed over. The, the plague of the death of the oldest son passed over them. They had to apply the blood. And as we apply the blood of Jesus through faith in receiving Christ, but continuing to walk in Christ, we know we're forgiven. That's the identity that we have. I'm forgiven. I'm freed from from my sin. The penalty of sin is paid for. But also the power of sin is broken. Don't you get frustrated with sin sometimes? Frustrated with this cycle where we continue to sin, we continue to do the things that we don't want to do. And one of the things that we're reminded about in the resurrection is the power of sin has been broken in our lives as well. In Romans 6... It tells us that we have an old man, and it's referring to our sinful nature. The power of sin in our lives. The old man's been crucified with Christ. I want you to think about that for a moment. All the sin that we struggle with, the temptation, the desire for evil things, it's been nailed to the cross. Nailed. Then we're buried with Christ, risen in newness of life. Christ is risen, so we're Risen, we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen. Do you know you're a new creation in Christ Jesus? So then, Romans six tells us that we have to reckon the old man dead; that we're dead to that sinful desire, and we're alive to God. Reckoning is not just a word that they use in Texas, but it means to make account. There's been a lot of reckoning that's been happening this week. A lot of calculators that have been ticking. Why? Because taxes are due tomorrow. Happy Easter, right? (laughs) It's kind of confusing that it changed from April 15th to April 17th. People are doing the math, right? Making sure that they get their, their taxes in. And spiritually, we've got to do the math and go, oh, yeah, I'm the child of God. I'm forgiven, but also the power of sin is broken. I don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. Reminding my sinful flesh, you're nailed, you're nailed to the cross, you're buried, and I'm risen as a new creation in Christ Jesus. There's also power over Satan. We read it in Hebrews chapter 2 that Satan has been destroyed through the death of Christ. In Revelation 12, I'll read to you in verses 10 through 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of Christ has come. So, this chorus of praise to Jesus says, For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So, that's the role of Satan. That's his title. He's the accuser of the brethren. He loves to come to you and say you're worthless. He comes to you and says God doesn't forgive you, that you're not the child of God, that you're not good enough, that you keep failing wanting us to live in condemnation and then he likes to plant those thoughts in our minds about other believers. Look at the way that your spouse is a loser or that friend that you thought was someone you could trust. They they really aren't trustworthy. They're going to stab you in the back and this accusing of the of the brethren. How do we overcome Satan? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. The blood of the lamb Christ's sacrifice, Christ's resurrection. Satan has already been defeated at the cross. We fight from the position of victory, not for the position of victory. I love Ephesians 1 verse 20. Just take it in and allow God to speak it to your heart. It says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. The resurrection of Christ Christ ascended, seated next to the Father, far above all principality and power, might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. All things are under his feet. Every name is under the authority of Christ. Every principality and power, meaning every demon, meaning Satan, he's defeated. Every earthly authority is underneath Jesus Christ. All things have been put underneath his feet. He has authority over Satan. We take hope in that and we rejoice in that. It's perilous times that our world's in. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of uncertainty. But ultimately, Christ is the authority. He's defeated Satan and every name is underneath him. Colossians 1 verse 3 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us in the kingdom of the Son of His love. You may be saying, "Well, what does this have to do with me?" Well, hopefully, it has everything to do with you. Hopefully, you know the love of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ. That you know that Christ has given authority over death and authority over sin. That you're rejoicing in forgiveness, rejoicing in the power of sin's broken. Hopefully, Satan's not able to come in and dominate our lives as believers. We're able to submit to God, resist the devil, and know that he'll flee because of of the power of Christ. But I would hope that it would get a lot more personal here in this last point. It's authority over us, authority in our lives. Christ declares that he has all authority in heaven and in earth, but does he have authority over me? Though Christ is a creator, and he is the Savior, and has all authority He will not demand authority in your life and in my life. He'll come and politely ask for it. Christ is a gentleman. He stands at the door and he knocks. He doesn't kick the door down. He's saying, Eric, do you want to surrender to me? Do you want to submit your life to my authority? So isn't that kind of fascinating? That he could demand it. He could take it by choice. But instead he says, will you surrender Your life to me. I want to suggest to you this morning, this Easter morning, that the best place for your life to be is submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. You're going to be under somebody's authority. And a lot of times we're under the authority of ourselves, we're self serving. Team Eric calls the shots instead of Team Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And where does that lead? It leads to destruction. It causes me to hurt people, hurt those that I love the the most, do damage in my life, hurt the heart of God. As Jesus says these words to the disciples about his authority, then comes this instruction, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age." Submitting to Christ's authority means saying yes to his mission, which is to go and make disciples. Now, that's not part of the Easter message that we expected to hear. Oh yeah, forgiveness of sin? Absolutely. Victory over death? Absolutely. You mean Christ wants me to go and share his love with others? Absolutely not. No. But if we really believe this, right? I mean, picture yourself in the original disciples. They're down to eleven. Judas is off the scene, and Jesus says, "Look, guys, all authority's been given to me." They're like, "Sweet, we're with you on that." Now, you guys go and tell everybody about me. Really? Are you talking to me? Us eleven? Peter, did you know Peter was with us? You really want him to be your ambassador? And he's like, "Yep, you guys are it. You need to. I'm going to ascend. Send you the Holy Spirit." And I want you to go and make disciples. What does that mean to to go and make disciples? They've experienced Christ loving them. Now now go love others the way that I've loved you. They've heard the good news of Jesus dying for their sins and rising again. Now go tell others the gospel. You're following Christ. Now go encourage others to follow Christ. And giving Christ the authority of our lives is saying no to certain things, is saying no to sin. But the Christian life is a lot more than the do nots. But it's also the things that we get to do. What a joy, right? If I'm just focusing on don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, I'm missing This life that God wants to lead me into. And this is what I hope that you hear this morning. If you know Christ as your savior, is God wants to use you. He wants to use you in this process of declaring his name to others, no exceptions. And that's where we get to this great glorious promise where Jesus says, guys, I know you're shaking in your boots. Church, I know you're shaking in your boots, but lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. That's the purpose for his authority. He's saying, look, I have all authority and I'm going to be with you. It's not our personality, our gifts, our abilities. It's that Christ is with us, that Christ is in us, that Christ is empowering us and saying, now I want to use your life. This is a daily process. God calls us to be living sacrifices. The problem with a living sacrifice is we can crawl off the altar, can't we? crawl right off the altar, so daily, moment to moment, of submitting ourselves to the Lord. Jesus, here's my ears, here's my eyes, here's my mouth, my hands. I'm available to you. God, I want to be used by you. I give you the authority of my life. Have authority over me. The Apostle Paul, who was Saul, when Jesus, the risen Savior, confronted him, said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against the goats? Saul, in that moment of brokenness, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? He put his life under the authority of Jesus Christ. A lot of times when I ask God what he wants me to do, I usually give him some options to choose from. God, I'm available. I want to do what you want me to do. Your will, not my will. And here's some ideas. A would be really good. (laughs) If you don't like A, here's B. And then here's C, but those are really the only three things that I'm open to. And what's God's answer usually? D, none of the above, right? <laughs> Eric, you, you have this wrong. I get to call the shots. You need to be completely open and, and available to what I have. So as we close, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the authority of Christ. To respond to the resurrection of Christ, And first, to believers, to those where you know Christ as your Savior, has it been a while since you've submitted to the authority of Christ in your life? And may we take a moment to really consider this. God's not concerned with your position. You, you may be a pastor. You may lead a ministry. You maybe have a lifetime of faithfulness unto, unto Jesus Christ. But you know your heart. And it's not that you're in full on rebellion to God, but you're not in submission to the Lord. And in fact, the exact opposite's been happening inside, and it's been one of selfishness instead of one of submission. Good news, Jesus loves you. He loves me. It's not a message of condemnation, but it's a message of Jesus pleading with our hearts saying, are you ready to surrender to me afresh? Are you ready to Allow me to have authority of your life. Maybe as God's child, it is a lot more like rebellion. It is one where you have left the goodness of the Father and you've been playing in the pig pen of the world. You have gone to places that you shouldn't go. You're doing things that you shouldn't do. And again, it's not a message of condemnation. It's one of Jesus saying, Welcome home, come back. The prodigal son who had wandered away from the Father squandered his inheritance was literally living with the pigs he had this thought it was better in my father's house in fact the servants had it better than what i'm living right now and he goes back and what does the father do the father doesn't kick him to the curb the father doesn't beat up on him he doesn't even say i told you so you should have listened to dad he runs it's the only time that we see god depicted being in a hurry God's anxious to restore you back into fellowship with him. Isn't that awesome? And he puts a robe on his son, throws a huge party for him to the point where the older brother gets jealous and he's like, what about me? I've been faithful serving you this long you never brought out the chocolate cake. Here comes the golden boy and he gets the chocolate cake, right? And jealousy was, was in his heart believer, let's surrender afresh to the authority of Christ. But also, there's some of you where you've been examining Christ, you've been considering, is Christ real? Did he die? Did he rise again? Is he just a historical figure? Is he God? Did he never exist? And your curiosity got you here this morning. And I would encourage you to make a decision about Christ. Christ really calls us to a point of of decision. Did you know a non-decision is a no decision? You know, if I have a friend shoot me a text and he says, hey, you want to grab lunch? Hey, you want to grab lunch? Hey, that sounds good. Let's do it sometime. Hey, do you want to grab lunch? No response. I haven't said no, but I haven't said yes. And a non-decision ultimately communicates no, doesn't it? A yes is yeah, let's do it. Five guys, Friday, noon, let's do this. Eat some man food, right? And Jesus is given an invitation, and he's saying, Will you believe in me? Will you trust in me? There's others of you that you haven't been curious. In fact, you've been antagonistic. You don't believe in Christ at all. You would consider yourself to have rejected Christ. I would invite you to reconsider. I want to attempt to be very clear. What does it mean to believe in Christ? What does it mean to receive Him as your Savior? Jesus' words, John 3 16, he says, For God so loved the world. That's you. That's me. That's us. That's everyone. For God so loved the world. Put your name in there. That He gave His only begotten Son. He wants us to know the value of the sacrifice. My loved Son, my only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a broad invitation, whosoever will believe. In the first year of our marriage, I came home from work. There was this wonderful, beautiful smell in the kitchen. My wife, Amber, had made scones, and she makes some great scones with this cream to die for. I was thinking, you know, I'm early in marriage. I'm thinking, wow, this is really nice. These must be for me. So I indulge in the scones. I'm woofing down the cream like nobody's business. Then here comes Amber. She's like, those were for women's Bible study. <laughs> Should have seen the look on my face. Busted, right? So what did I learn from that? This important question before I dive in. Who are these for? And if she says, oh, whoever, guess what? I'm a whosoever. That's me. I don't have to go to women's Bible study to get the scones, right? Because I don't go to women's Bible study. It's a whosoever. And God, He's saying, whoever. If you consider yourself to be extremely moral, you need Christ as your Savior. All of us are sinners. Some of you don't need to be convinced that you're a sinner. You know that you're a sinner and you're struggling with God. Could He forgive me? Whosoever. Some of you make a tremendous amount of money. That doesn't matter to God. Some of you literally don't have a a penny in your pocket. That doesn't matter to God. It's whosoever. Some of you have several degrees behind your name. Some of you haven't graduated high school. It doesn't matter. It's whosoever. It's an open invitation because we all need it. And you believe, what are you believing? That Jesus is God, that he died for your sins, that he rose again, turning from sin, repenting from sin and saying, Jesus, I receive your grace and forgiveness. Be the Lord of my life. Jesus saves us through his grace and he's inviting us into a relationship with him where we submit, the authority of our life to him. Not that we're going to be perfect, not that there's going to be times where we wrestle with that, but in our heart of hearts saying, I'm ready for a savior. I'm ready for someone to lead me. I know the damage of, of leading myself. So let's wait upon the Lord for a moment. I'm going to ask just together that we would press into God's presence for just a moment. You know, resist that temptation to get on the phone or use the restroom and it just let's just be still and allow Christ to speak to our hearts. I want to give believers an opportunity first to respond and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to have authority of my life afresh, and then give an opportunity for someone who's never received Christ to say yes to Jesus, to put their faith in Christ for salvation. So let's pray together. Jesus, we wait upon you. We know that you're alive, and we know that you're here would you please speak to us afresh? As God's child, if you feel Christ speaking to you to surrender to him afresh, to allow him to have authority in your life, would you raise your hand and just leave it up and would love to say a prayer with you. The child of God that says, you know, I need Christ to have fresh authority in my life. Jesus, I thank you for the hands that are raised. God, and we express to you this morning that we desire for you to have your proper place in our life. Have authority over us. Forgive us for taking that authority back. Take the throne of our lives. Take the control center. Take the controls of our life. Thank you for those that had their hands raised and that their faith, that simple addict of faith to cry out to you. May they know your forgiveness and your restoration. And as they're saying yes to you, God, may you use them for your mission to go and make disciples. May they feel your presence with them like never before. Would you give them opportunities this week to declare your name? You can put your hands down. If you'd like to trust Christ for salvation, in this moment you're becoming aware of your need for him, aware of your sin, and you're saying, I want to trust Christ. Would you raise your hand and just leave it up? You're not raising it to me, you're raising it to Christ, So I'm going to say a prayer with you. Praise the Lord, I see your hand here. Praise God, I see those hands there. Several hands in the back. Praise the Lord. A bunch of hands over here to my left. Praise the Lord, I see your hand here as well. If you're listening on the live stream, you're upstairs in the foyer of the cafe, just lift your hand to the Lord. Say this prayer with me in your heart. Jesus, I believe that you're God, that you died for my sins and rose again. I turn from my sin and receive your grace and forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. You can put your hands down. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of men and women. We pray that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, you would protect them, that you would grow them in you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.